Welcome to the Family Worship Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy the following message from Pastor Ray Kirkland. Okay, focus. I want to talk about harnessing the power of focus. I believe focus is the key to excellence. I believe it's a very important part of our lives. And I believe in these next few I don't even know if I want to say months or years, but in this next season, let's, let's say that. There, I believe that there's going to be more uh, available and offered to us than we've ever experienced before in our lives. I believe that God is going to give us many, many souls around the world, different nationalities, different languages, and, and those relationships are going to be, there's going to be more relationships than we can actually nurture. Doesn't mean we can't love them, doesn't mean we can't know them, but there's going to be so many you won't be able to nurture them. There's going to be more activities offered to us that we will be able to actually engage in. There's going to be so many opportunities around the world, we will not be able to engage in all that God's going to bring to us. There's going to be potential that we can step into. Now listen very carefully, you can't nurture everyone. You cannot give yourself to every activity. You cannot expend your resources to everyone and everything. If everyone and if everything is important, then listen to these words, then really nothing is important. Because what you've done is you've neutralized the field. You've made everything the same. You've made everything fair. You've made everything even. So everything is now beige and there's nothing that stands out. So all of a sudden, if everything is important to you, then nothing is really important. So we have to learn how to harness and focus on what God is saying to us as a people, to this congregation, to our region. And we, may, we must be able to focus and harness that power. It's kind of like an athlete. If an athlete is training for football, he trains certain muscles. He focuses. He works. If he's training for tennis, he trains different areas and does different things. If he's a swimmer, he does different things. He focuses. He has a work ethic around his focus. He has a toughness around his focus. He has a determination built on that focus. Now, let me say this. Focus, very basically, is simply selective attention. That's what focus is, to know what and who to give or not give your attention to. That's what focus is, to know who or what to give your attention to. That you shouldn't give your attention to everything, but what do you give your attention to? So it's, it's kind of the difference between a generalist and a specialist. A generalist is a person that is a jack of all trades. How many of you ever heard that noise? And a master of none. Okay, he's a jack of all trades and a master of none. In other words, he's, he, he's really a, a competent a person and, and a competent in what he does, but he's really not just an expert. He's not a specialist. And I, they're very important. How many of you know we need some of that? It's okay. We need general doctors. We need general this. That, that's all fine. But somewhere along the line, you need specialists. Specialists are people that have disciplined themselves in one particular field. They have prepared themselves in that field. They have trained themselves in that field. And they're very, very effective in their field because they have focused on one area. Medicine has got so diverse today that you have to have specialists for kidneys, for livers, for brains, for heart. Every, it, it's, it's wonderful to know a little bit about all of it, but somewhere you need a specialist. Amen. Defeat and ineffectiveness 
usually do not happen because of a lack of resource or a lack of support, but usually it's because of a lack of focus. Amen. In our story today, we're going to look at David. David is anointed by Samuel to be the new king of Israel. That has really upset King Saul because it just somehow it just got got to him. And so he is determined to kill David. And David is now running from Saul. David is accompanied in our text we're I'm building you a little background. He's being accompanied by 400 mighty men. They're not mighty yet, they're developing. David is helping them to develop. Okay? They are as they're running from Saul, they 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 come into an area where they see a lot of sheep, a very powerful ranch. And they decide to serve on that ranch to, to get supplies, to get food. And it's a, a guy by the name of Nabal. Nabal has the ranch. So they've been there and they've been serving Nabal for some time. And it comes payday. They're hungry. They need supply. And so they go down to Nabal and they say, Nabal, you know, David sends 10 guys down there and says, Hey, we've been doing all this for you. Can you repay us for our services now? And basically Nabal delays them. He just sits them on the bench and doesn't do anything. So here you are. Now figure out David. He's back at the camp with a bunch of guys that are hungry and he's waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally Nabal sends him back after the delay and says, I'm not paying you nothing. So after all that waiting, you don't get paid. Well, the Bible says that David becomes infuriated. He starts to snap a little bit here. And it says in 1 Samuel 25, 22, here's what David said, By morning I will not leave alive one male of all who belong to him. So he takes half of his mighty men, leaves half to watch the stuff they have, and he heads down, he's going to kill him. Now remember, he is anointed to be king over these people he's going to kill. Amen. He's anointed to be their loving ruler, protector, and provider, and he's getting ready to kill somebody. He's lost a little bit of focus here. But luckily, by God's grace and love, God stirs up old Nabal's wife, Abigail. Let's listen to the story. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seahs of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisin, and 200 cakes of pressed figs. Now, that took a while to bake that. That was an Can somebody say that's an effort? That is not one tray of biscuits. That's a lot of work. She loaded them on donkeys, plural, because that's a lot of weight. And she told her servants, now go ahead of me, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. So she comes bearing gifts. It's a whole story of the Holy Spirit, and I won't, I won't go into that today. But she comes bearing gifts to David. Now the Bible says when Abigail saw David... She quickly got off her donkey, bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention to my Lord, to the wicked man Nabal. This is her husband she's talking about. He is just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes before him. That's what Nabal means. And folly goes before him. As for me, your servant I didn't even see those ten men you sent. I didn't know about that. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord our God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed, you haven't got there yet, I've got it in the way, and from avenging yourself with your own hands, 
May your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God, watch this, will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord. Because you fight the Lord's battles, and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God, but the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed Or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success. Please remember little Abigail. All of us live lives with unresolved conflicts. Anybody who has served God or attempted to serve God. And lived by faith for any length of time. Has experienced conflict in that. Because not everything happens the way we think it should happen. Not everything happens in the time frame that we think it should happen in. Not everything works the way we think it should work. There are things that some of you in this room are believing for today that hasn't got to you yet, such things as money. You've been believing God and asking God to help you, and there seems to be a delay. There seems to be a conflict there. Some of you have just been asking for restoration of relationships with your sons, your daughters, your your family. Some of you have been asking for job promotions, for help with your employment or help with your business. Some of you have been asking for a godly mate, and it takes a long time to build one of those. Amen. When God wrote, or excuse me, when Paul wrote these words, having done all to stand, stand, he was saying to us that not everything happens immediately. Not everything happens immediately. Not everything happens the way you think it should happen in your time frame. So that means that all of us in this room must develop the art of living with unresolved conflicts. We must understand that things aren't going to happen the way we always think they will. We have to be able to live with that. And here's the key words, and stay focused. Look at your neighbor say, stay focused. David is having a conflict with Nabal. He's been good to Nabal. Not anybody has raided Nabal. He has lost no sheep. His his sheep uh, herders are all in good place. David has been kind and good and helped Nabal. And now Nabal has insulted him. There's a great conflict happening. Listen to me. While you are pursuing the will of God. While God is making you into the king that he's called you to be. There will come conflicts into your life. If you look at David's life, there was war after war after war. If you look at his life, there was injustices that came into his life. There were hurts that came into his life, pain that came into his life, family conflict that came into his life. He he lived a life filled with conflict in pursuit of the very thing God wanted him to have. So, So what happens is even though you're sometimes anointed as David was anointed, weariness will get a hold of you. It gets tiring, it gets hard, it gets laborious, and weariness brings David to the point of, I'm going to avenge myself. 
He's lost focus now. He's lost the, the understanding of what he's even there to do. And now he's going to kill somebody. Weariness is Satan's greatest strategy. Listen to what Daniel 7 says. He will speak great words against the, the Most High. And he will wear out the saints of the Most High. The devil will love to wear you out. How does he wear you out? Unresolved conflicts. You're trying to go somewhere and you can't get it to go because of all these problems. It's like you get rid of one problem, another problem happens. And so all of these problems continue to build up. And if you're not careful, all those unresolved conflicts, you start trying to take care of them. You start trying to fix them. You're working on every little problem. And what you've done is you've lost focus. Once you lose focus, once you don't know where you're going, you lose the ability to be a specialist and to break through. Amen. David had had a lot of problems with, with the, uh, conflict in his life. And, and one time, I'll give you an example, one time he's running from Saul. His men are hungry again. And he, he ends up running into a, a, a synagogue, a temple. And as he comes into the temple, he asks the, the priest there, Can you, do you got some food? Do you got some bread? Do you got something? The priest said, I don't have anything, man. All I've got is the, the, the showbread on the table. And David actually finagles him out of the showbread on the table. Now this is the, the bread used in the ceremonies of the Lord. This is holy. This, you're not supposed to be touching this stuff. David takes it. He takes it off and he eats it because his men are starving. He said, forget that. We're hungry. Well, the priest is left back there after David's gone, and the priest knows that Saul's on his way. So the priest quickly bakes another bread and tries to fake out Saul, but Saul recognized it. Saul could smell that bread cooking just like I could smell them pancakes. Saul got upset, went over there, realized that wasn't the showbread, and Saul killed all the priests. Do you know that David had to live with that the rest of his life? Those men died because of what David did. David had that unresolved conflict inside of him. Another time, he was running, and the Bible says he, 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 he played the idiot. Listen to what it says. 1 Samuel 21. Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. He was afraid of him. So he changed his behavior before him, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. In other words, he acted like he was, he was completely... In those days, people that acted like that were considered touched. Some spirit had touched them. They were considered special. And so that king, when he saw that, he said, Hey, hey, what are you guys doing bringing that guy in here? I don't care what they say about him. That dude's touched. Leave him alone. And it gave David enough of an opportunity to escape and get away. And David ran to King or to the cave of Adullam, and that's where he met the 400 distressed, in debt, and, and, and discontented men who joined him that would later become his warriors. So hear what I'm saying. Eventually, David was running. He was going from one place to the next, and he was, he was, he was losing focus from time to time. He'd lose focus. At one point in his running, he was so, so frustrated, he decided to join the Philistines. He said, you know what, perhaps I'll just settle down and coexist with my enemy. If I can't overcome them, bless God, let's join them. Amen. And so he lost what? Selective attention. 
He was no longer focused on Israel, no longer focused on being God, uh, God's man and king. He lost his focus. And when he did that, it actually put him in the very hand of Satan, in the very place of the Philistines, to fight against his own people. That's what happens to us when we lose our focus. We fight against those that we should be protecting. We fight against the church that we're a part of. We fight against our family, our parents, or whoever, those that that we should be loving. Several things happen to cause us to lose our focus. The first thing is usually disinterest. We just become disinterested. It's been so long, it's been delayed so long that we just lose our interest and we become passive. Apathy sets in. We We just... We just become passive. We're apathetic. And so when you sit around and you're really not doing nothing, what happens is you start to think about yourself. And you become self-centered. And and when you become self-centered, you lose your forward thrust. So disinterest has caused caused you to not have any movement now. Now you're sitting there. You're thinking about yourself. Woe is me. Life is a bummer. How come God ain't helping me? And there you sit. Now you get discouraged. Discouraged. Because now you're not moving anywhere and it looks like nothing's going to ever happen in your life. And all of a sudden, uh, those things that need to happen just look impossible. God, how are you going to feed 400 men? How are you going to hide 400 of us? I mean, hiding one guy is one thing, 400 is another. Get 400 of your buddies and put them in your house and see how long you can hide from the cops. I mean, it's not an easy task. It looks impossible, so discouragement is setting in. It doesn't look like you're productive. It doesn't look like you're doing anything. And so now because you don't feel productive, you feel dissatisfied. Dissatisfaction starts to happen. There's a prophet in the Bible. His name is Haggai. I hope I've said his name right. One of these days he'll correct me. Haggai, Haggai, something. But his name literally means festive spirit. And so this festive spirit is sent by God to bring back the word of God to a people who had lost their focus. His job was to rebuild a temple and to restore a victorious spirit back into the house. Can I say to you sometimes what we have to do is become our own Haggai's? Somebody say amen. You've got to become your own cheerleader sometimes. You got to stand in the mirror and look at that disappointed, discouraged individual, and you got to say, Give me a V, give me an I, give me a C. You got to start cheering, man. You got to start talking about victory. You got to get wild and crazy. You got to put your pom poms on. Amen. Get your leotards out and start dancing because God has to bring back that. You cannot allow yourself to stay down and discouraged all the time. Somewhere, if Pastor Ray ain't encouraging you, if Pastor Kyle's not encouraging you, if the music's not lifting you up, it's time for you to become your own cheerleader. It's time for you to put a festive spirit back in your heart because if you don't, it will affect your legacy. Abigail says these words to David. Your soul is bound to the purposes of God. Man, that's powerful. Your, your life, church, you understand, your life is bound to the purpose of God. You might do something else, but you'll never find satisfaction and thrust until you get into the purpose of God. And then she says, watch what it says. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord, watch these words, an enduring house. Because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you through your, throughout your days. 
An enduring house. The other text we read, the other version meant a dynasty. God is building in you a dynasty. Another, uh, let me pr- break it to words you might better understand. A great heritage. He wants to give you many children. He wants to give you a wonderful family, a wonderful life. Your future is intertwined with God's purposes. There are people that God brings to our lives that he intends for us to be eternally connected to. It's called covenant. It's a legacy. We're we're not supposed to get rid of our kids. Somebody say amen. You're not supposed to get rid of your church. Some things God places you in and connects you to that's not always pretty. There's some conflict involved. There's some things that don't feel good and feel right. There's conflict. But that does, if, you, if you're not careful, you'll fight against the very legacy that God's trying to give you. You'll war against the very thing that God is trying to bless you with. So, so she speaks these words to David. David, David, you, you have a purpose here. Don't forget you're the king. Don't forget God's moving in your life. Don't forget he's building you a legacy. You're getting ready to kill your legacy, my man. Those prophetic words settled David. They settled his soul. Now listen to me. Think about David. He has no assurance that whatever this woman is saying is going to come to pass. It might come to pass. It might not. Might come in 10 days. Might come in 10 years. He has no assurance. But he, he, he was living in the injustice of it. But he felt God's word come alive in him. Amen, somebody. So he surrenders to the will of God. What he basically does, he refocuses. He, it shocks him. You're right. I, I don't know where I've been. I don't know what I've been thinking. I don't know why I haven't been attentive to the people. I don't know why I haven't been attentive to church, attentive to my study, attentive to God. I, I don't know where I've been. I don't know what I've been doing. I've just been playing, playing king, playing church, playing husband, playing wife. But I haven't been embracing it and focused on it. So he surrenders. Now the Bible goes on, and I'll just jump forward in the story. By the time it's all done, Nabal is dead, and David owns the whole ranch. He could have messed that all up. But God gave him the whole ranch, and God gave him Nabal's wife too. Abigail was a blessing. Abigail was awesome. And so God gave him not only the ranch, he gave him the wife. The issue was not the timing the issue was the surrender. Would he surrender to God? Would it, the, 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 see, we always say, well, if God does this, if God does that, we put fleeces out. We, we do all kinds of things. The issue is not the timing. The issue is, will you surrender? The issue is, will you refocus? Listen to what Luke 18 says. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him? Though he bears long, he's gonna be, it's going to be a long time with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Now, what does speedily and long time have to do together? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So here's the question. The question is not is it long time or speedily, because God's timing is not your timing. The issue is, will God find faith in your heart? That's the issue. You don't get to heaven because you did all these things. You get to heaven because there's faith in your heart. 
You inherit eternal blessing because there's faith in your heart. The issue is not the timing and how long it's taking God and all of the discontentment, all the conflict you're facing trying to get to your promise. The issue is will you keep faith during that moment? Jesus comes to a fig tree one day, Mark the 11th chapter, and seeing the, from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season, wasn't the right timing for the figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, says to him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you have cursed is withered away. And look what Jesus says. Have faith in God. In other words, it's not a matter of figs. It's not a matter of, your, of what you thought you was going to get. It's not a matter of timing. It's a matter of faith. In other words, Peter, God is working in our affairs. God doesn't need that fig tree to resource us. God can use any fig tree he wants to resource us. I'm teaching you a lesson here. Amen. This is what, Pe- this is what Jesus is saying to Peter. God's promise is working on our behalf. God's, God's promise is working in our process. God is working in our lives. Don't lose your faith in God while you're going through those moments where your fig tree looks figless. Amen. When things aren't looking like they're going to resource you properly, don't lose your faith in God. People start losing their faith in God. They have a little struggle in their business. They start tightening up. I understand that. But you don't tighten up with God. If you tighten up with God, you've lost your faith in God and you're going to lose the whole thing. So try to understand this. You'll be just like David. You'll end up trying to kill Nabal when God wants to give you his ranch and his wife. Some of you say, I don't want the wife, but I'll take the ranch. (laughs) You cannot allow weariness to cause you to enter into unbelief. You cannot allow weariness to cause you to lose your disciplines. We all have to have disciplines. Amen. It doesn't matter to me if we have church on Sunday or Monday. It just matters to me that we gather. Because that discipline of being assembled together is very, very important for our lives. It doesn't matter if it's hunting season, fishing season, snow, rain. It matters that we are disciplined. That we have faith in God. That we express that faith in God. That we we are hungry for that faith in God. And we're focused in what God's doing. Life. Zohe, the God kind of life. And increase are connected to focus. Who and what Do you want to live and thrive in your life? Hmm? That's a question. Whatever that is, whatever you want to thrive in your life, put your focus on it. Give selective attention to it. Who and what? What do you want to increase in your life? Put your focus there. Pay attention to it. Everything and, and everyone might be good, but that doesn't mean they're God. Amen. Good people and good opportunities might not lead you to your destiny. What's important is not good. What's important is God. Put your focus on it. Pay attention to it. Have faith in God. Watch carefully where God is going. Be careful that you don't forget the purposes of God for your family. You can get so consumed with what you're doing, you lose your kids. 
Don't do that. Watch your focus. Who or what this morning? Here's a question for you. Who or what do you need to let go of? Who or what do you need to hold on to? You have to shift your attention, become selective with your attention, so that you can fulfill the plan of God for your life. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Don't live like Nabal. But like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. See, she said if, if, if all the other social people she told David are going to be just like that fool. Here we come to the New Testament and he says, don't be that fool. Be wise. Be careful. Select. Watch what you're doing. Who or what will you give your attention to will give you life and increase. Priorities will reveal your focus. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. In other words, first things first. The rest of all, that's a byproduct. Okay? First things first. How many of you know that tithing is the first thing? It is. Tithing is a first thing. It's called the first fruits. Not the second, third. It's the first fruits. It's an honor. It's a priority. It's a focus. The Bible says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven, pour out for you such blessing that there would not be enough room to even receive it. In other words, if you don't focus, no windows open. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angels. Angels are protecting your field, and all nations will cause you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So see, this is a focus, it's a focus, it's an honor, it's a priority. When you place things in priority, you focus on them. If everything's beige and everything's important, nothing's important. In my money, it's not all even. It's not all even in my money. The first part of my money goes to God. I honor God in that because if I don't, I've lost focus. If I lose focus, I'm like Nabal. Somebody say amen. I'm trying to teach you something. Don't be distracted. Distracted means divided attention. The Latin word is actually to draw away from the mind. In other words... If you, if you don't have selective attention, if you're not focused, you lose traction. You lose track. You're, you're, you're away from traction. Your wheels are slipping in the snow and the ice. You're going nowhere. You've off the track. You're not, you're not on the track anymore. So without focus, if you're not careful in the, in, in, when, when conflict comes, if you don't stay focused, you'll dig your wheels all the way down and you'll be a long time getting out. Amen, somebody. Focus brings structure. It brings order. Order is a sign of, of, our, of, our, of our maturity. Listen, you cannot walk in greater levels of authority and prosperity without order. You can't walk in authority without order in your life. You can't follow Jesus and your life remain chaotic without structure, without disciplines, without routines. If you're just a free-flowing spirit... God cannot give you great authority. You'll have some authority. You'll be able to do a few things. But until you have plans and structure and order, God cannot bring all those things to you. Listen to what Jesus did. Mark 6. Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
So he began teaching them many things. Now, late in the afternoon, did you guys catch that? He started in the morning. Now it's late in the afternoon. The boys have been in church for a while. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, yeah, you feed them. They said, with what? We have to work for months to be able to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Jesus says, how much bread do you have? They just kind of shrug. He says, go find out. So they came back and they reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people, watch this, sit down in order. Get in order. Get in the structure in groups on the green grass, not up in the rocks, not in the trees, not in the back. In the green grass. <laughs> Amen. So he sat down. He, they sat them down in groups of 50 and 100, not 49, not 52, not whoever wanted to hang out with their buddy. In groups of 50 and in groups of hundreds. That's what the Bible said. Specifically. Not, not 101, not 92, because those guys want to go be with those guys. Amen. Jesus then took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven, blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute to the people. He also divided the fish and everyone to share, for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. See, when you got in order, there was provision. And afterwards, the disciples picked up even 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. Amen. That means the youth can have a party. A total of 5,000 men. 5,000 men. That's men. If you look at a church or any group of people, if there's 5,000 men, there's probably 10,000 women and 30,000 kids. I don't know what the numbers are, but it's a lot of people. So I'm trying to show you something. Order always precedes the miraculous. Amen. It precedes the miraculous. God will pour out the miraculous when he finds stewardship and order. When he finds that, wealth can then be released because wealth will not very long follow after a business or a businessman or a person who has absolutely no order in their checkbook and they're in complete chaos in their business. You can't maintain your wealth living like that. You can't, if you don't have a good structure, good business practice, good stuff, you, your business cannot make it. You actually have to pay your taxes or Uncle Sam will come find you. You have to have order. You have to have structure. You have to pay attention to what you're doing. You have to have selective attention. Somebody say amen. Now listen, I'm almost done here. I'm fire when I'm focused. I just become ignitable. It, when I was a kid, I used to get magnifying glasses. And you go out there and you get that piece of paper and you zoom that little light in. And you could burn paper. You could burn leaves. And you could burn ants. Amen. And other things. Hold your brother down. It was awesome. Yeah. You are stronger and you're more magnified when you're focused. When you're focused, you give definition to fire. You give definition to power. You, you give definition. So the more focused you are, the, the closer you can become to entering into your destiny and your goal. So that's why the devil tries to constantly give you distractions. He constantly tries to give you conflict. 
He constantly tries to throw things in your path to keep your focus from being connected to where it needs to be. Listen to this, 1 Samuel 25. Yet a man has risen to pursue you. She's talking about Saul. He's seeking your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living. How many of you would rather be in the bundle of the living than the bundle of the lukewarm? With the Lord your God and the lives of your enemies, he's just going to sling them out. How many of you would like the, the Lord to sling out a few enemies? I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about spirits. Spirits that resist your business. Spirits that resist your family. Spirits that resist this, this church. Spirits that resist God's prosperity in this region. I declare prosperity is coming to Beckley. Amen. We put that in the atmosphere. We believe for that. We will not back off of that. God is going to prosper this place. And so I need the Lord to sling those things out. But he's not slinging nothing if I don't stay in the bundle of the living. Amen. So each day, I wake up and I pray, basically, to refocus myself. Amen. To remember what we're here to do. Because if I'm not careful, I get caught up in, man, we need to do this. We need to fix the parking lot. We need to do the snow. We need to work. We get caught up in all the things but the purpose that God has sent us for. All those things are good. They're not evil. They're good. But they're not necessarily God at the moment. Are you following what I'm saying? Same for your life. You have to find out and you have to expect God to move. You have to look and expect, okay, I'm expecting God to move. I'm not going to kill Nabal. I'm going I'm to turn back. I'm going I'm to find myself in the living, the bundle of the living. I'm going to put myself in, in position for God to do what he said he was going to do. He's going to make me the king of this land. I'm going to protect and love these people. When he did it, God caused Nabal to fall, break his neck, and he got it all. God slung his enemy out. Habakkuk says this in second chapter. I'm almost done. It's my last verse. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Hmm. There's an appointed time, and it hastens to the end and for fulfillment. It will not deceive or disappoint, though it tarries. Now he's saying it hastens. Now he says tarry earnestly for it. Timing, our timing and God's timing are different. We want timing based on things and money and people and now but god's looking at a purpose god's looking at a fulfillment that fulfillment of your family you getting this today might cause your great grandson over here to miss out on fulfillment so god's looking at the picture he's looking at the fulfillment he said i'm hastening towards it be patient i'm hastening towards it you're all caught up in this but i'm hastening towards this so i need you to trust me I need you to understand there's an appointed time. Every one of you have an appointed time. It means you have an appointment with God, just like an appointment with the doctor on the 17th. That means on the 17th you go there. The 16th you don't go. The 14th you don't go. It's on the 17th you go. Right? It's an appointment. God has an appointment with your family. has an appointment with your house. He has an appointment with your children. So you and I have to stay focused. We have to have selective attention. We have to understand, especially when we're in times of conflict, when things aren't really looking like we expected them to look. Amen. That happens to all of us. Somebody talk to me right there. If you'll talk to me, I'll let you go in just a minute. Are you, are you understanding this message today? There's a lot of things that will disappoint you, distract you, 
cause disinterest, cause, cause discouragement. There's a lot of things, and it'll cause you to fight the wrong things. You'll fight the wrong stuff. You'll fight the very thing that God's trying to bless you with. You'll fight the very city that God's placed you in. You'll fight the very church that God's put you in. Be careful during conflicts. Don't let it be you against the world. Let it be you connected to God. The world will straighten itself out. Your family will straighten itself out. You keep your focus on God. You keep your focuses on the purposes of God. You stay in the bundle of the living. They're never going to agree with everything you do. None of them. Your family, your friends, your, you know, they're, they're just not going to. Don't worry about the conflict. Keep your focus. Keep your focus. In time, God will give you all that. He'll give you an enduring house, but you've got to keep your focus. So what happens is dad says something, mom says something, your nephew says something, something happens, and you disfocus. Don't do it. Get your discipline back. Pay attention to your disciplines. Pay attention to who you are. Pay attention to your God and know that God has a great plan for your life. I want you to bow your heads in the love of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, that you don't hide the bad and the ugly and the the trials and the struggles. You, you, You reveal them so that we can learn from them. Thank you for this king, King David. For showing us his life, his struggles with his sons, his own struggles with his own demons, his struggles within, but God, how he pressed through and he became so powerful that his throne will forever be established. Because he found again his focus. He kept coming back to his focus. Help us to do that today, Lord. Help us not to get distracted by all the stuff. Church, listen, stuff is okay, but don't get distracted. Amen. There's nothing wrong with having some good times and enjoying life and having some fun, but don't get distracted. Don't let those things take you away from God's purposes in your life. Nothing wrong with whatever. Just be sure that those things are second. First things first. Seek to be in right standing in righteousness with God. If you stay in that place, all the rest of that stuff will work itself out. If you keep your money right with God, your wealth right with God, and you order it and you structure it, all the rest of it will work its way out. It might not work the way you think it works, but God is looking down the generations of your family, and he has nothing but good intentions for you. He has nothing but good intentions for your children. Perhaps you've come today as a guest or a visitor. Perhaps you've been here many times, but today you find yourself distracted, disfocused. Been a long time since you've really connected with God. And you'd like to just say, Lord, today I want to get back on the track. I want to refocus. I want to give selective attention to you in this season of my life. You should be doing it in every season. But at least this moment, you're going to start it right here. Now, I'm not asking how long you've been a Christian. I'm not asking if you belong to this church. I'm not asking how long you've been saved. I'm talking about every one of us refocusing. I believe God is going to bring us great opportunities. More potential than we've ever known before. You will not be able to take care of all of it. It's going to be too big. 
That's why we have to have teams of people that work together. But that's another subject for another time. You just can't take care of all. So you have to focus. You have to do that or you're going to lose it. You've got you to focus. Don't be a fool. Don't be like Nabal. Don't get caught up in your stuff, your sheep, your cows, and all your... Don't get caught up in that. There's things that are more important. When it's all said and done, all that's really going to matter is your relationship with God and are you part of the kingdom or not. That's where it boils down to. Do you have faith? Do you have hope? And do you have a love, a charity, a giving, a connecting? Do you have it? Are you connected to the purposes? Are you connected to the the plans of God? That's what's going to matter. Let's stand all over this room. Can we do that? Thank you for bearing with me today. I know I've preached just a pinch long. It's not bad. We're still way ahead of the Baptist. And in fact, you don't even have to go out in the snow and the cold. You can't get a better deal than five bucks all you can eat. Them pancakes will make your little belly fat. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. You can go back there and you can enjoy a great meal and more than that, great fellowship and you can connect. You know what you need to do if you don't know nobody? Just go sit down at somebody's table. Just pull a chair up, plug right in, and connect. Make them nervous. Make them embarrassed because they didn't invite you to the table. Amen. Just pull right in because that's your purpose. That's your goal. Let's join hands. Can we quickly join hands? And I want to say this as we're doing this. I want to say this right now. There's a few of you in here that are distracted. You've become us against them, me against the world. That's not the goal. That's not the goal. I realize you have to, you have to, you have to understand, you have to have focus, but it's never you against them. It's you against the devil. It's you connecting with God, and God will add them. God will add all that later. Don't worry about that. Keep your focus with God. I'm speaking to somebody. Because family can be rough. Family is one of the greatest places of pain and hurt there is. Business can be rough. When you're losing money and you're filing for bankruptcy, it can be rough. I've been dealing with a, somebody this last week, $500 million. They're having to file bankruptcy. and There's just no, I can't even tell you all the struggles they're going through. What it's, it's ripping their family apart. It's causing men of God to jump on top and slug their own daughters in the face. It's ripping things apart. You lose focus. That's a dad and a daughter. You don't fight over money. We've lost focus. The more precious thing, it's not the the bankruptcy. The more precious thing is the family and the, the legacy of the house. So please, my friend, hear what I'm saying today. Our hands are joined together. We're linking our faith together. Father, we ask you to touch each and every one of us and help us remember that when the assault comes, when things don't seem right, timing seems off, everything seems cattywampus, that we will look up because we know our redemption comes from above. We will look up and we will connect to the purposes of our God. We will not surrender in the conflict our faith, but we will have faith 
we will have faith in the good times, the bad times, in any time. Our time is your time. We belong to you. You're the eternal God. And we trust that you're moving in our lives, helping us, Lord, so we refocus our hearts and our lives. Now, if there's anyone in here this morning that you're not right with God, in Jesus' name, forgive us. Just say this prayer with me. I, forgive me, Lord. Touch my heart. Touch my life. Refocus me. I'm getting off the driver's seat, and I'm putting Jesus on that driver's seat. Lord, take me to the destination you have for my life. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my iniquities. And Lord, take me towards the goal and the health and the good things you have for me. Prosper me because I'm in you. In Jesus' wonderful name. Now let's all give the Lord a clap offering. Come on, everybody. Give the Lord a big praise in the house. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Family Worship Center. If our weekly sermons minister to you, consider partnering with us or giving a one-time donation. To give, visit cogfwc.org slash giving. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more by following us on Twitter and Facebook.